Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. All right, welcome to the uh, Deconstruct Your Fun podcast. Uh, this is Adam, um, slowly recovering from baby number two, getting very, very how little many sleep. How hours are you at uh, right now? Uh, well, it's like, it's four wake-ups mm-hmm. a night. Um, but each, each time each time is pretty quick to go back to bed. Um, but my wife's been pretty good so at giving you're me some, some nights to you're sleep. You're hallucinating. You're not sure if this podcast is real or imaginary right now. Yeah, of course. All these news articles are completely <laughs> fake. Wait a minute. Does crypto even exist? I don't even think it exists. Adam's like, no, um, no, I'm not hallucinating, Miska. <laughs> yeah, this, this wouldn't be the first time I've been compared to a David Lynch nightmare. Oh my no. god, stop! You can't wait to go back to work, right? Um, I mean, you're just like counting the days until you go back to work. I, I don't even know how we're going to be able to do it. Right? The, 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 <laughs> it's at that point, the new right? Baby smell is worn off, and now it's just diapers and, and poop. Yeah, the key thing is the mother-in-law is no longer oh, yeah. here, right? Ouch. Like, that's the big part. That, that's yeah. the unlock when yeah. you've got the third set of hands to help out. Yeah, yeah. I got all the woodworking done. It was really nice. It was just this 
magical time we actually had time during the day to dude, it's like anyways dude, the second uh, baby is like a five six year sentence dude yeah you're, you're yeah. gonna be on double duty doing fucking bullshit for five years you know suicide watch the whole thing is a disaster suicide. anybody that's looking for a second baby dude don't do it don't do it it's fucking disastrous right because it's all triage it's whoever's crying the loudest yeah. whoever's hurt the most that's what you're yeah. taking care of the other one gets ignored. So, so watch, watch for the suicide watch signals then on the podcast. This, this will be the place to watch for. It. I, I, I have disaster. Um, again, uh, Miska, Miska's off. Um, the black site. He's in a, another black site. Another black site. Undisclosed. I don't know where he goes. Um, Super and Crest. You guys are going to this Istanbul yeah, we, thing. We gotta, we when gotta pump it? that what up. So we're doing Istanbul uh, deconstructor of fun. Istanbul meetup. Um, you can uh, find more information on the Deconstructor Fund website. Uh, I am Googling right now, Deconstructor Istanbul, and it's the first result. It's deconstructorfund.com slash backslash Istanbul. We're going to be there full day event on March 31st. Um, got like kind of an all-star liner, lineup of speakers, uh, including myself, Eric, um, Miska, uh, Adam. Sadly can't join us, but uh, it's going to be a great time. I believe it's, I think it's free. Right, I think you just have to register. Uh, March 31st, all day, got like a, a really beautiful venue. Um, so if you're in Istanbul or like the surrounding area, or hey, anywhere in Europe, it's pretty easy to get to. Uh, hope to, hope to see you there. That's deconstructorofun.com backslash Istanbul. Wow, that was actually pretty good, Eric. I'm I'm impressed. I but there's I, like I'm constantly pumping stuff. I'm a pro at ad living promo I, <laughs> copy. I, I am absolutely terrible at self-promotion or promotion in general. I just talk shit all the time. Um, but Sophie Bo is coming, right? Mr. Chris Petrovic is going to be there. We got Joachim Ark. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Okay. But I want to meet just because I think he's interesting. He's great. Uh, Anton Backman from Play. Dude, this is like the who's who. Yeah. Right? Got to be there. Um, and then we have Mishka's coming. So, you know, <laughs> I mean. You gotta have like one like tier six celebrity. One one dud. Yeah, they, one dud. They, they can't all be a listers, right? Because yeah, you gotta exactly. you gotta have a, some some variability in the quality of the content so people get excited when the good people are back on stage. Uh, uh, just just pointing out, you can also tune in via live stream, so you don't have to be there in person. So if you go to deconstructorfund.com backslash Istanbul, there's a registration link. You can register to to live stream in, so you can watch it even if you're not there in person. Judging awesome. from uh, past episodes, I, I really think this whole thing is a boondoggle so that Mishka can go get hair implants in, in Istanbul. That's what he said previously, right? <laughs> I thought it was peck in pants, not uh, hair implants. Maybe he's getting a full body makeover. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I need I need an I need an ass, dude. So maybe I'll have to get an ass implant. <laughs> I got a, such a flat butt, you know. You go to no. Colombia is the like the world HQ for that. You got to go to Colombia. <laughs> okay, so we'll do we'll do the tokenomics live in Colombia so that I can get some thick some fullness added up here. I and I think we're 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 gonna do a live twig recording, right? I think uh, we're trying to do that, like a live audience twig recording. We'll see. Yeah, I I think any type of event where we can just record it, we can probably publish it. So yeah, that sounds like fun. All right, that's nice. Then I can skip a week. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, give your update. Okay. I have a couple updates. The first update is friend of the podcast, Mr. Nicholas, uh, allowed me to test drive his new 2022 
GT3, Porsche GT3. And oh my God, this thing is a fucking beast. It is a beast. Now, the thing had less than 1,000 miles on it, right? So he let me drive it to Marin and, and, and also in, on the way to Bodega Bay through Stinson um, and Point Reyes. And the fact is that this thing is, is the most curvy, most amazing road that you'll ever drive if you're a, friend, a, a fond of driving. Um, and despite the fact that I stalled the motherfucker twice <laughs> in the first five minutes, he still let me drive. So uh, the car is absolutely phenomenal. And I don't know if anybody's a car guy out there, but amazing torque, acceleration, and the handling was like, you know, it's on rails, you know, and it's really tight. Um, certainly different experience than the normal 911, which I had a while back, and then particularly better than the M3 that I have right now. God, the M3 is just too fucking heavy relative. So really, there's only two things in life that I know anything about, and that's video games and cars. And so this is an absolute pleasure and thrill um, to drive the GT3 on the Kirby's. And I want to thanks again to Mr. Nicholas, who is either very brave or very stupid or both for letting me drive his car, but uh, but it was really fun. I, uh, um, I I rented one for my birthday last year, and uh, and I took it like in the Texas Hill Country, which is not quite, I mean, that I know that drive you're talking about uh, to Stinson Beach, where you go, you curve around and you see like the whole, uh, the bay there, it's really beautiful. Um, but that car was amazing. But like I, I, uh, I drove it. We drove it for the day, and then I had to bring it back the next day. So I stopped by uh, on the way to bring it back. I stopped by this this coffee shop near the University of Texas, where I usually get my coffee. And um, it's like it's 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 got like a, a, a specific tuning to make it extra loud when it starts up, just to like just to have <laughs> just to turn people's heads. And so like I'm I'm leaving the coffee place, and there's like. A, a bunch of people on the uh, on the balcony kind of like on the patio outside the coffee shop and I turn it on and and, it, and you, know, you turn it on it sounds like a gen it's like, and I look over and there's just like this this like you know really attractive like college girl just rolling her eyes like so, so conspicuously I'm <laughs> like oh man your, yeah I was like, oh, okay boomer moment it might be ever. it might be coming a cliche <laughs> but that car was awesome That's funny no, it, it, it is incredible. It is incredible. And it turns heads because it's got the big spoiler, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, it's super loud, right? He's got a flashy color on it. Like, oh, yeah. He, he did well. He definitely did well. Um, and, yeah, and all, all the Porsche enthusiasts are driving these, these, these roads, and so they all, like, give him a lot of attention. And that's the douchey part of it a little bit. But, like, but overall, it's just really, if you love driving, like, there's just nothing better than a Porsche you know, pound for pound, money, dollar for dollar, right? So anyway, um, yeah, I can't wait to get another Porsche once my kids get the fuck out of the house, right? Um, all right. The next thing was kind of a request. I've had this actually question asked to me many, many times over the years, and I figured since someone asked about this and wanted me to talk to them, uh, uh, it was a friend from Sony, um, actually. So the question is always something like this, and this is in context of the acquisition of um, Activision from Microsoft. It's like, why in God's name would Microsoft buy Activision for $70 billion when they will never get that money back, right? They will never earn that money back, the $70 billion, right? And it's actually not a dumb question, really, because the answer is, it is very unlikely that they will ever get that $70 billion back over the life of this deal, right? Because that's not why they're doing this deal. Now, I may, I may like completely mess this description up because it is actually a little bit more complicated than what I'm going to say. because. I don't want to go into like the, the counting of it and all that other bullshit, but, um, but 
I guess the best way to do it is look at other deals like King, for instance. And King is like one of the better deals because it was a steal in terms of the what they bought it for in, in retrospect, right? At the time, it certainly wasn't. But they bought this company for $6 billion, right? And over the last six years, they've generated $12.3 billion, billion in revenue, roughly, right? Which sounds great. But if the, pro the profit itself after costs and taxes and all that other stuff was only 3.7, so over the last six years, they still have not earned back that six billion that they spent on this 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 company. Um, but the deal was the mo one of the most accretive deals in the space. So like so, there's a different calculus for why people do these kind of deals, and and the answer really is valuation related or shareholder value that's derived from these transactions. That's what's really cri critical. And again, this can get a bit tricky because it's more about just kind of cash flows, multiples of terminal, terminal value. And frankly, I'm not even qualified to talk about this shit anymore. This is like my first job out of college. So I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. But simply, if you look at this deal, when they did, before they did the deal, they were trading at 15 times earnings, Activision was. And, and that expanded to 30 times. Like now, now they're trading at roughly 30 times. <clears throat> um, and this was primarily, but also, other related things was due to recurring revenue and digital revenue, which included King, right? So King's digital revenue helped them expand the multiple in the marketplace in terms of how they're traded. So that basically, that that led to a market cap increase for, for Activision from 15 to $45 billion in a very short period of time after the acquisition, um, driving about $30 billion of market cap during that time or shareholder value. And so that's why you do these transactions because they unlock these this, these multiples. Now, again, there were a lot of other things going on, so it's a lot more complicated than that. But ultimately, this this is what the this is what the perception is: is that they built a digital business with the help of King, and that helped them improve their multiples, right? So over that time period, you can basically make it make an estimate, and I was going to go into it a little bit more deeper. Of, they basically driven at least fourteen to twenty billion dollars of market cap by just being part of Activision, right? And so that's why you buy this thing for $6 billion, not for the earnings that you're expecting to get over, the, over, that, over that time. So this is a similar idea with Microsoft, right? Microsoft is buying Activision to get into the consumer business, right? To build subscription models in the consumer business the same way they've done that in the enterprise. And so if they are successful, then this will pay dividends, multiples of multiples for them going forward and pay back the 70 billion to shareholders over, over the life of this transaction. So let me just give you one more example before I go. And a little bit simpler, right? Apple, right? So Apple was trading at a multiple of 10 to 15 times earnings for decades, decades. This thing was trading at the same level until about 2018, 2019. And this is, this is when they started doing their digital services strategy. Per se. And now I give them a hard time about investing in Apple Arcade, right? This is likely the second dumbest idea in video games besides Stadia. Right? Apple Arcade's but, wonderful. Top grossing no, not. Apple Arcade game Tetris Beat. Had a great experience with Apple Arcade. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Ethan. Right? Actually, that, that's the new... <laughs> My new patch. That's gotta go on the bingo. Phrase. That's going on the bingo card for 2022. <laughs> it's uh, new catchphrase. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but the reality is from a corporate perspective, they are selling the idea of, as that they are a services company, not just a hardware company. And, and part of that services is the failure of Apple Arcade, but it's still, 
clearly a, a part of their overall services businesses, right? And and so their multiple went from 15 to like 30 times during this time. Now, again, lots of other market factors and elsewhere, but they're still talking about the fact that they will become a services company. And people are talking about 50% of the revenue will be from services, which is much more recurring, predictable, and more valuable to the shareholders. So now services still only represent 15%, but that strategy itself unlocked the multiple and, and basically improved like a trillion dollars worth of value for, for Apple shareholders, right? So anyway, that's why you do these acquisitions is they set you up for success going forward, right? Does that make any sense at all or am I yeah. just- No, I think you're, you're, you're totally right. I think, you know, another thing with like with the Activision the Activision deal too it's like Microsoft's like pretty good at quickly mobilizing around buying distressed assets right I mean they were in the running for buying up TikTok's business remember when Trump was trying to force them to spin it out um, yeah. you know they, they my understanding is that they mobilized pretty quickly to get the Activision deal done and it was it was depressed the value was depressed right and it was the same with King as a standalone business that company was always going to struggle um, in the public markets, same with Zynga, right? Like you know, the, you know these hit-based, uh, you know, it's mobile mobile uh, games are, are are very sort of like hits-driven, right? And it's just a matter of like, you know, shots on goal and you're playing a numbers game. And so um, it makes they, they're sort of more valuable in a larger org that you know where they can be resourced in the in the sort of lean times. I think um, it's that's part of that. But also like Activision was just undervalued, and Microsoft saw it, they seized upon it. Um, and I think it, you know it's, it was a, it was a shrewd. Was a sh did any did any of you guys read my piece a couple weeks ago? I talked about Microsoft might upend the the app economy, and it was all about Microsoft made that like declaration of like the App Store principles. And I feel like this is all part of a broader content fortress play, like with the advertising piece and just unifying all the 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 um, the engagement. Uh, Talk about a synergy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read I, that. I, I, I actually... It, it just depends on whether they actually have the potential to unlock all of that. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked about this before, right after the Activision yeah. deal, about how do they use King. Um, it's just, can they actually break down all the silos that they have internally and get that done? Do they actually have the DNA in order to, to convert right, but, all those assets? But we had that... We had that. I, 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 don't, I, I don't doubt that it's the right strategy. I just doubt that they have well, the but they DNA said, but, but right after we had that conversation, uh, they had earnings. And uh, Satya said, yeah, we're focused on, like, advertising is a focus of ours. Um, and they talked about, I mean, he talked about that being something yeah. they really want to invest time into. And they bought, they bought a DSP right before Christmas, right? So I think they are moving in that direction. Yep, yep. Okay, so I, I think I'm agreeing with Adam on this one, um, is that I was, like, sitting there with a bunch of Microsoft guys six years ago at E3, and they were talking about... <clears throat> integration of, of Windows and, and, and Xbox and PC gaming and advertising and promotion, and all this other bullshit that they were talking about, they still haven't done it, you know? Like, and so like implementation is far harder than, you know, coming up with a strategy. I don't disagree that the strategy has some merit, but like getting it executed is, now they've made some inroads clearly, I mean, they've done a pretty good job with Xbox Live on, on, on PC and stuff, but it's still not anywhere near where it needs to be, you know? Yeah. But, for a simple, humble game developer like myself, is it is a, is the right frame to look at deals like these and all the ones you mentioned that if you're a public company CEO, the stock is your product. The the, the yeah, right. Like once 100%. you 
once you think about that, then it helps make these sort it, exactly as you pointed out. It makes all these deals make sense because if you're thinking about it as the actual dollars Activision brings in, you're thinking about the wrong product. The product isn't Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. The product is the share price. Exactly. And so to that point, actually, something I totally forgot to mention is that one of the other things that public companies are constantly uh, um, criticized for by shareholders is the fact that they have these massive amounts of cash on their balance sheets. You know, Apple, Microsoft, even EA, right? Billions. Well, not anymore, right? So it's like, what the fuck are you guys doing with your cash? Like, why aren't you reinvesting in the business to help grow, right? And, you know, and then they ask for, you know, dividends or share buybacks or all this other stuff, mechanics in order to use that excess cash that's just sitting there and earning like a fraction of a percent. Right. So it's not really increasing shareholder value at all. And so that's the other thing is that this was half of their cash balance. Right. Seventy billion dollars is sitting on their balance sheet for decades. Right. And so now they, they've actually used it to to try to help grow the business, which is super positive for the stock and the shareholders generally, even though, even if they overpay to some degree. So that's yeah. the other thing. And so, yes, it's all based on the calculus of driving shareholder value. And if you were an like the bankers, like when they put this deal together, they weren't talking about earning back the 70 billion, no. right? They're just talking about how this will improve their multiple going forward and, and drive shareholder value, right? That's that's the, the primary role of these you know banker guys to, to figure that shit out yeah and, and driving driving eps too right but but the thing like if you like the public company ceo i mean there's some you know non-trivial percentage of their day which is just talking to hedge funds right just being on the phone with hedge funds like convincing them that their strategy is the right one um because you know the ceos have a fiduciary duty to maximize shareholder value that's that's their role it's that's they're they're the person in charge to lead the narrative lead the strategy on how do they maximize shareholder value that's that's it um and and so it's like they spend all day and then the thing is like you get activist shareholders that are like no you've got all this cash you better pay us a dividend um or do a bunch of buybacks and they can make a lot of noise and be really problem they can they can cause a lot of pain for these ceos they have to keep them happy all right i think that is enough of this subject because you've probably bored everyone to death um all right, just three quick updates. One, Star Wars Hunter from Zynga is in beta, and yikes, <laughs> this game does not look good. Uh, I, I, it's like a, basically a third-person arena shooter, like with, without any iconic characters. So I, I'm not really quite sure. But but we knew we knew that from the videos back in like December. And you're playing the beta on Switch or on mobile? On mobile. On mobile, okay. And do you know what the RPI is or oh, anything? It's, it's horrific, any, but it's really numbers? small right now. So it's, okay. It's, 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 it's okay. only in like tier three, tier three countries. Sorry. Okay. okay. Third world sorry. countries, right? Um, yep. It looks super fucking janky, right? In terms of, sorry, I don't want to talk too much smack about the individual games itself, but I think the numbers will speak for itself. But we'll see when it comes out. Um, but the netcode doesn't seem good, and and. The characters seem very uninspired, but let's see. You know, I could be wrong on this. Elden Ring, fucking 97 on Metacritic with like 47 ratings, dude. So I got to play this game just for this, just for that fact alone, right? And I know I'm going to last like three fucking hours and then I'm going to bail. But I'm going to, I'm going to play. I, I really wonder how many, how many hours some of these reviewers actually played. Like, did they actually yeah, play it to probably. the end? 
Well, right? I don't know. Or did they just like, look, I can't call this game hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's from software. <laughs> I, I don't want to face the tsunami of shit if I call this game too yeah, hard. I gotta, I, I gotta, um, so let's play the first hour. Yeah, I gotta read the first. <laughs> I gotta read read some of the reviews. I just looked at it briefly this morning. Um, and I'm still playing Lost Ark. I'm at level 40. I, I'm gonna get to level cap, but the problem is that the amount of time I can clearly see that this is gonna take way too much time because you're supposed to have done some alts and stuff to optimize and stuff like that, right? It is, it is like deep shit. But the game is amazing. I mean, it's very simple, like Diablo-style game, but the uh, but the characters and the animations and the, and the, and the battling, the fighting is really cool. Um, so excited, excited to get 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 going on Elden Ring tomorrow. Um, uh, all right, Ethan. Take it over. All right. I have two non-crypto updates, and then I've saved my crypto news for the end if there's time. Um, the first one, there was an <clears throat> article on Kotaku, Square Enix is impossible to please, and it was talking about the financial performance of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which was one of um, Kotaku's Game of the Year candidates. And they basically said, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy underperformed unstated sales targets according to a recent financial filing from Square Enix. Despite strong reviews, the game sales on launch undershot our initial expectations. And I, you know, I'm I'm a big single player gamer, and I specifically love the work of Eidos Montreal. Deus Ex is one of those like the two Deus Ex games they made are so good, and it's the type of game I love to play, and I buy them at full price when they come out. And I bought Guardians of the Galaxy, even though I haven't read it. And you know, I brought this up. It, it, I brought this up because like we've talked about the subscription and consolidation and the coming content wars. And unfortunately, this is the style of game that I expect to be a triple A game only as part of a platform exclusive in in the future. Right. That if you're if you work for Sony or for Microsoft, you can get the budget to build these sort of tent poles. And otherwise, I don't think there are going to be a lot of single player triple a games if you can't make these big licenses work and and my hope is that advances with unreal engine and unity will allow smaller indie publishers to fill the gap for gamers like me and and if you think about something like stardew valley right stardew valley filled the gap of the harvest moon series disappearing and um has been a big success um in the indie world and and the more advanced the engines are getting, the more likely, you know, I don't think I'm ever getting a game from a team of 10 people at the same level of quality and fidelity as Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. But I hope that they can fill the gap for me as a gamer, um, because I think that we're going to see fewer of these tentpole type releases in the future. I guess the problem I have with this article is just the, the title, mm -hmm. um, Impossible right. to Please. This this is just yeah. Kotaku stuff, right? Um, obviously, just kind of pandering to their to their audience, um, but the expectations are set, likely based on cost and the minimum margin that the company has to hit, right? It's not as right. if it's just like somebody pulling a number out of their ass <laughs> or like doubling the sales of the previous you know, game, right? Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, like this is there was expectations were set based on how they spent to build this title. It didn't hit that mark. Um, and to be honest, it, this one felt like a weird one. Like you look back at the last few years of single player action adventure games and you get you get a kind of mix of, of stories. You get the Fallen Order story um, from Respawn, obviously like a, an incredible seller. I think over 11 million right. sold. 
Um, and then you get something like this that really undershot expectations. How many, how many you, units do you think this thing sold? Like five or something? Four or five? I, I can't speculate on that. Yeah. See, the, the thing is, the two things that bother me about this whole story. First of all, it's Kotaku, who is the worst. I could I could have chosen the same story from non-Kotaku, but, you know. No, I know. But the, the one thing is what Adam said is basically like this thing probably costs maybe 75 to $100 million to make, right? So there's certain targets that must be hit in order to re- earn that shit back, right? So that's one thing. So that's on Kotaku. But the second thing is, why in the fuck is Square Enix being so, you know, uh, critical of their teams, right? How demotivating it is for them to come out there and kind of like yeah. throw, throw, because other companies do it in a lot, lot better way, right? They're not like saying disappointing, you know, like they're not like going after them in, in these. What did, what did EA do with Battlefield just recently? I mean. 2042. Did, didn't they just do like a town hall where they're like, yeah, undersold expectations, but it was yeah, all they, 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 goddamn Halo's fault. They, they, <laughs> they, they spin it, right? So that they they, yeah. they maintain some kind of like motivation for the team, right? You know, like keep morale up, you know, but these Square Enix guys are so fucking tone deaf about this. I mean, this, this is the third third time, right, that they've done this, right? Yeah, yeah. you had Outriders and then you had what, Avengers, Outriders. Tomb, Guardians Tomb of the Galaxy. And, Deus Ex. And, and the article points to all these, yeah. these games. Yeah. And... Wait, they've done five the same way? It's like, I don't know, man. I, I, what, do they, what do they think is going to happen with their teams if they're yeah. just like demotivating them constantly, right? So maybe I'm, I'm with Kotaku on this one. Yeah. These idiots. Well, okay. to, the, to the devs at Eidos Montreal, I appreciate you. Deus Ex Mankind Divided is one of my favorite games ever. And uh, thank you for making something for me. Um, second, second news story, Riot Games appoints co-founder Mark Merrill as president of games. Uh, Merrill was, uh, one of the co-founders and, and just two quick quotes, right? Merrill is going to take over the firm, all of the firm's titles, such as League of Legends, Wild Rift, Teamfight Tactics, Legends of Runeterra, and more. In addition to the new role, Merrill will be responsible for overseeing the studio's R&D plans going forward. So it sounds like they're consolidating the leadership of all their game development, uh, under one uh, accomplished leader, and it also, you know, I, I assume that they're leaders of the esports and of their new media division, and you know, they're just doing great. Congrats to Mark Merrill, and uh, sounds like a really fun job. Uh, doesn't sound like fun to me. Oh, it does sound like a, yeah, it, it does like sound that's <laughs> <laughs> incredibly t- stressful. Yeah, it sounds like herds and cats, man. It, it sounds know, like dude, an incredibly fun that. set of properties to be leading and a nearly impossible challenge, and I hope you get some sleep. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have stress dreams just thinking about that job. <laughs> let's, let's do in that job. Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation. Talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. 
Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or Get, go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. All right. All right. <laughs> Our first article for the day. Activision to delay next year's planned Call of Duty game. So this is the 2023 game. And I actually misread it at first. I thought it was this year's game, which I would feel really bad because I would be totally wrong about. But anyway, so 2023 will be the first year in which we will not see a mainline release in two decades from the Call of Duty team. Uh, the studio behind the team, behind the delayed game is Treyarch, which uh, is going to help with the free-to-play game, according to this report. Now, this is from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, who I really, 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 really like and respect. So uh, he's done amazing coverage on this stuff before and has some deep, you know, deep network of people that are, you know, giving him intel. So... So anyway, it goes on. Activision will delay the Call of Duty game uh, that has been planned for next year, uh, the first time in two decades. Um, Treyarch uh, will work on was working on this game and now will help with the free-to-play game instead. Uh, the implication is that something that's going to come out next year. So it could be just another Warzone map or some kind of other thing that they can add to the free-to-play stuff. The company response was relatively quick and they said, we have an exciting slate of premium and free-to-play Call of Duty experiences for this year, next year, and beyond, a spokesman for Activision said. We look forward to sharing more details when the time is right. So this was all the article that I saw and maybe I missed it, missed the Bloomberg article. I don't know if there's any more detail around it, but I have to admit, I'm a little bit disappointed in Jason on this one, right? Because I think... Obviously, it's clearly sourced. There's an insider that's basically talking about what, what's going on with the plans for Call of Duty. And it's likely validated by others because that's the way he does his thing. So I'll, I'll give him credit for that. But any plans for 2023 seem hardly set in stone at this stage, you know? But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I love, that's what I want to talk to you guys about. But um, I also think that depending on the timing of this discussion, maybe it was in consideration of this acquisition by Microsoft that they could take a, day, a year off and 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 do it that way. I I it's un, uh, unknown. I'm just saying. Now, on the flip side, maybe they do see you know Modern Warfare, which is going to be a big title this year. I think uh, will be strong enough to drive retention and monetization for another year as they continue to support the free to play skew, the Warzone skew. You know, in, add maps, add modes. You know, uh, to help in Calendar 23 to help drive retention and monetization. Um, but I'm still a little bit baffled that they would sacrifice, you know, 
almost 20% of their annual revenue is called the new version of Call of Duty. Um, and, and, you know, part of the reason that they have so many teams working on this is because it's a big, such a big part of their, their business. Um, and even though Vanguard was not a successful game in the, in terms of Call of Duty, it still was the biggest best-selling game in 2022. You know, it's still, I think probably did 20 million units, 18 to 20 million units, right? It just was a bad Call of Duty, right? Which it didn't do 25 to 26, right? Which is where I think this next game is going to be. So anyway, I love the thoughts, Mr. Adam and anybody else that uh, is following this and if this makes sense to you or, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they really listen to the podcast, listen to Eric Sufert's feedback, <laughs> um, took it to heart. <laughs> And actually say, you know what, let's take a year off. Let's get the campaign right just for Sufert, right? Um, but no, when you say 20% of revenue, what are you attributing to that? Activision line item in, in holidays around that. And then they generate. But like, is that only the premium games base revenue? Or is that like the... It's a, it's a combination of... The premium skew? Is that like the live revenue It's, a, it's an estimate. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 20. It doesn't matter. All I'm saying, it's a big portion of their overall annual revenue. Okay, I, I don't know what the number is, but like if it's only like if if Vanguard only gave them twenty percent of their revenue for twenty twenty one, or or like if we kind of project it out through the the Vanguard year, so from October to October twenty twenty two, that feels feasible to me, right? Like as a live service, would you be if you were given you know half the budget of the campaign? of Call of Duty, could you build enough live content to make up a 20% gap? Absolutely, right? Adding maps, adding modes, adding cosmetics, um, adding new events, right? Adding, yeah, absolutely. One additional, that doesn't one additional seem crazy. Thing, Go ahead. Right. I, it's public that they're, they have an internal studio building a COD mobile that's fully owned. And I'm sh- I would expect their strategy there is to cut out Tencent, so they don't have to give them half the revenue on COD Mobile. Yeah, and that, that worked really well for PUBG. <laughs> that's why I'm <laughs> happy. Good luck if, with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, not only, not like, only is the game but if, be if they're honestly saying like the game is going to be shittier, Tencent's going to fucking spit all over them, dude. I don't care who they are. Yeah, that is that'd be such a terrible idea if they honestly said, you know what, we're not going to release the premium game this year. We're going to launch a mobile version to compete with Tencent, and that's going to make up the. 20% of revenue that we're speculating right, right now. So, yeah, no, basically, it's a billion dollars. Like, you have to make up a billion bucks, right. right? That's what the new Call of Duty does. Not to mention the number of people that bring back, come back to the franchise right. and start doing the live service shit, you know? You know, it's like a wow yeah. expansion to some degree is it, it revitalizes the market. Um, so, I, But if you look at, if we look at Fortnite and the amount that they spend on live content, like in the terms of events and just like how crazy their seasons are and how much cosmetics and how much IP they're putting into the game, there clearly is a lot more headroom for Warzone to drive revenue. So a 20% bump in Warzone's revenue is not crazy to me. But let's not talk like let's not talk about it in the context of like mobile. But the, the Fortnite. It's not a 20%. First of all, it's not a 20% bump required. It's a billion dollars. You need to drive a billion dollars of incremental revenue to offset not releasing a Call of Duty, which is 15% of their so, total revenue. Of, oh, of okay. Actors. See, that's the thing. Okay, so because if it, if it was honestly 20% of Call oh, of no, no, Duty's no, no. money was coming from premium games, revenue, which includes uh, okay. Games. Well, then, well, then we're fucked. Okay. Yeah, then. Right. then. But the, just to, <laughs> no, as as uh, to, go ahead, go ahead. To address what you just said, the Fortnite live ops. Um, you know, machine is, is based on a lot of like IP licensing. That's like really high touch stuff. 
I don't know. Could you see? I, and, and also, it doesn't really fit in Call of Duty. Like, I don't know how how does Call like Fortnite brings in like Batman skins and whatever. Like, yeah. So Call of Duty's already tested this out with uh, what did they do? John the Rambo. It's Rambo. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Rambo, McLean, and then they did. Scream, That's true. Yeah, they, they did John McLean for. Um, yeah, okay. That yeah, you're really right. successful. Like it, it's it's not the same thing. Like you're not gonna bring right. Spider Man and like give him a yeah. machine gun. <laughs> but right, only but Fortnite yeah, can do that. I don't know. I, I guess my point is I don't know. You know, to what extent Call of Duty could replicate that Fortnite style IP based, yeah. um, you know, uh, live ops sale strategy, right? Because it's just it's just it's very high touch and it's very based on licensing. Like because Fortnite can bring basically any IP into that universe because it's kind of cartoonish it's cartoon violence right call of duty can't like most ips like no way we there there can never be uh imagery of big bird getting gunned down (laughs) or blown up by a grenade right maybe let's 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 talk with uh, let's get that done grossing roblox game right there (laughs) (laughs) haha yeah 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 but uh no you're right so in terms of the headroom that warzone has the ip path of fortnite has probably is not that strong but the other headroom that they have, and just the sheer amount of live content, like delivering more events, bigger seasons, um, more cosmetics to the service that aren't necessarily IP, there still is plenty of headroom. So if we're talking about a 20% bump, yes. But if, if we do the math and it's actually more like 50% of Call of Duty as a franchise's revenue comes from yeah. that premium games release, then that's going to be significantly right. more difficult. Well, but we've been talking about um, this for a while, yeah. right? Like when does, that, when does that nexus of revenue shift from... The, the, mm-hmm. the treadmill of releasing a new COD game every year towards, hey, we've got this live services um, powerhouse, which is not just Call of Duty console and desktop, but good segue into my article, Call of Duty Mobile, right? So there was an article that came out on Pocket Gamer, um, Call of Duty Mobile fires past $1.5 in consumer spending. So I'll quote from the article. This is on Pocket Gamer, pocketgamer.biz. Uh, quote, Call of Duty Mobile has surpassed $1.5 billion in consumer spending on the App Store and Google Play since launching in October 2019. This was in part due to the game being released in China in December 2020 with over $104.5 million in player spending on the Chinese App Store in 2021. The U.S. is the largest market for Call of Duty Mobile and has generated $647 million in consumer spending since launch, representing approximately 43% of the total. Japan, which I found kind of interesting, is the second largest market for the shooter followed by China in third place, right? So mobile now is, is contributing like a pretty decent chunk of overall revenues for the franchise, right? And so that's the question is like, you know, these games are expensive to make. Um, it's a lot of moving parts, very susceptible to delays that could blow the whole schedule. Um, whereas, you know, mobile and Warzone just continue to just generate insane amounts of money. Like when does that, when does that sort of uh, calculus change the focus from, yeah, we're going to put out a new game every year in the franchise to let's just focus on live ops for these existing franchises um, that, you know, are just are performing very, very exceptionally well. And how much of that $1.5 billion actually comes to Activision? I think it's, yeah, very I think little. it's 50-50. I don't know. I no, thought I read that somewhere, but I could be imagining it. I think it's like 60-40. I don't know. Something like that. 60, anyway, 60-40 to Activision or, or they get 40? To Tencent. Okay. I mean, Tencent built the game and marketed the game. They don't, yeah. dude, Activision still doesn't have any mobile people, right? Even their Blizzard people aren't really fully built out. Yeah. I know my no, buddy nine. my buddy Tom's over there. He's an experienced free to play live ops producer. He's uh he's working help helping trying to build with, out that with Activision um, or Teamy? At, at Activision. He's part of that internal effort, but they're, you know, relatively new. 
Yeah, but they don't. They don't have. My understanding is they don't really have like a UA team per se over there. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And maybe they have like a, a couple of people. My understanding is it's 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 structured like EAs was structured. So you have people within different orgs that like own UA, but they're really just sort of touch points. They're not like actually executing UA. Um, and that it's kind of, uh, uh, let's say not optimal, um, is what I've heard. But not to, me- not to mention, it's been a revolving door for the last two years. So it's, even the people that they've hired to, to build up these teams have left. It's just, it's so hard. I mean, I, so like I got pitched to be like VP UA from like, for like one of these, you know, big mega corp, you know, multi-platform game developers. And I'm like, you know what? No. Like that seems like a three-year slog with like a very low probability of like being successful. Um, that will like drain me of the will to live and you know and fill my days with like Dude. meetings with thirty people. Right. Yeah, and you'll be convincing like the majority of the people that you have a reason to exist. Right. That that's your job. Right. Right. Exactly. It's like fuck that, dude. Fuck that. I. I'm sorry. I, I I get calls all the time about people looking for work or looking for jobs and. My, my thoughts on this and so uh, yeah working at like i'm and to name names like working at ea or working at um take two you know, or like activision and in in, in 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 something that's like less strategic in their in their org this seems like a disaster right but um anyway well the, the funny thing is that the company that invited me to consider joining them like just prior to that, I'd done like a consulting engagement with them and I just saw how much of a disaster it was like, well, maybe if you hadn't let me see everything, I might've been more excited about this, but like, I know what a shit show this is and what a nightmare right. this would be personally, I, professionally. I get, yeah. I get feedback from everybody on this stuff. It's, 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 it's a great paycheck in theory, amazing benefits and good on the resume. That's why you go to big companies. I'm just kidding. All right, let's move on before I get myself into big trouble. All right. Is it time for Crypto Corner? Crypto Corner. I, I, can I just, I want to just a uh, quick, quick non sequitur. So I bought a PS5 like many months ago and it literally been sitting in the box for months. I'm just too busy to really? even open the box. Well, cause like I'll get like 30 minutes to play games, right? Like, or I'll get like an hour if I'm lucky, like, you know, in a week where it's like an uninterrupted block of time. And so I'm not going to spend 45 minutes just setting it up, right? So I've just been playing on my PS4 Pro for months and months with the PS5 just taunting me in a box. So I had a weekend where my wife went out of town. I was on baby duty, but you know, my son, you know, he takes like pretty long naps. So I was like, okay, I have like two days with like two blocks of time that are just totally open. So I set it up and I put out a call for recommendations on Twitter and I got a bunch of good recommendations. Um, so I, you know, I, I think I had mentioned on the podcast that I finished GTA five. Finally, I finished, uh, 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 the apocalyptic uh, motorcycle game. I can't remember what it was called. Days and I had like no, yeah, Days, Days Gone. gone. And, and I had no games to play. So I put out the call. And the first um, the first recommendation was Returnal, right? That's PS5 uh, exclusive. Housemark. Great game. And I, yeah, Housemark. And I played that. And that's a beautiful game. Um, and it's just so hard. <laughs> it's such a hard do you, game. Do yourself, do yourself a favor, get Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank is so good. And it's good if you're a parent because it doesn't yeah. have that that frustration bar yeah, yeah. that like prevents you from enjoying 30 minutes. Right. And it really makes, it takes advantage of the PS five to do something you couldn't do on the PS four. 
in terms of the uh, speed of moving I, I, from let me environment just, to let environment. Me, let me just say one thing about Returnal. I actually I agree with you 100%. Like, the game is fucking beautiful. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I think it's a really smart idea. But it was fucking hard to figure out where to go. That, yeah. That's where I get, that's where it loses me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And maybe because I'm a moron. But, like, I cannot... I never knew where to go. Like, I'm just kind of, like, wandering around, like, trying to figure out where to go. But that's that's no, no blame for me. But what I did like about it is that you could just throw it on play for 20 minutes and then like be like okay that was fun right like you don't need to you don't need to like sort of uh uh, buckle in for like an hour and then the other game that was recommended which i'm obviously known about but i never had experimented with was uh ghost of tsushima um that's an awesome game that's but you know what Uh, and and here's my message to open world game devs Skip the backstory missions. No one cares. I want to get into the world. I want to explore the world. I don't want to play this guy as a baby. You know what I mean? They always do this. You got to go back in time and and you you remove yourself from the story. I'm immersed in the narrative, and then you take me back in time to play like this this samurai trainee as like an eight year old. Fuck that. And then in GTA Five, they did the same shit. They're bringing you back to like when these guys were young bucks and they're robbing banks. I don't care. Keep me in the story. I want to. And like in Days Gone, they were going back to when the guy just first met his girlfriend and well i don't care about this i'm engaged in this narrative in the moment and you're taking me back to and you know what else i hate i'm gonna rant for a second (laughs) why is there ever an underwater level in any game there should never be any underwater like if you're taking me underwater you've lost me 100 percent right like every one of these games they've always got like some underwater level where you're swimming around like that's so boring no one wants does anybody watch swimming on the olympics no because it's boring it's not exciting it's it's tame there's no real threat you know uh it's there's not a, there's no there's no chance something spectacular happens it's like everybody always wins by like 0.2 seconds it's super boring there's no chance to be a hero swimming is boring to watch it's boring to do no one wants to exercise doing swimming they want to go on the treadmill they want to do exciting stuff make you know your job as a game is excite the player keep them engaged not to bore them was there was there Eric. Was there a water level in Ghost no, of Tsushima? No, no, it was in. Uh, uh, I, I, that's just a general complaint. I don't. I can't remember the recent <laughs> water level. <I> mean, <laughs> underwater levels are so boring. I'm so I, like you were burned from like Donkey I, Kong Country. You were like never again. I lost I'm, too many uh, times. I'm gonna run a game I, jam. I, I am no expert. I am no expert in game design. <clears throat> Actually, I'm not an expert at all. But I have to imagine you have to have peaks and valleys of, of engagement within the game and within the story. Ah, that's bullshit, man. No, you make don't. Make it more interesting. I want, I want, right? I want to be running at eleven I, at all times. Mo- no, no you yes, you can. Yes, you mock eleven the whole yes, game. Yes, you can. Okay, Downtime so, no. swimming. I'm, you, you should, you should just play like Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man just stick with Miles the Sony Morales first parties, and right? And and I'm gonna run a game jam this weekend now. Call uh, for a game. I want to see your prototypes on itch.io for. Uh, Samurai Babies Underwater Adventures. That's the game. We we got to make a game just for secret. Well, you just lost a sale. <laughs> you just lost a sale. Oh, my God. All right. Let's do some crypto All shit, All right. Uh, very excited. Um, so first, for those of you who listened to the last episode where Mr. Kress coined his new catchphrase of shut the fuck up, Ethan, <laughs> I ran a very scientific poll on LinkedIn Following that episode, should still front group start making Forex crypto games? The options were Crypto Conquers All, LFG, and Shut the Fuck Up, Ethan. And with 74 votes, Crypto Conquers All won. And I'm kind of disappointed. I was hoping Shut the Fuck Up would win. Uh, But that was a lot of fun. (laughs) There are two surprising things on that poll. One (laughs) is that I lost, right? I thought Shut the Fuck Up. I thought you would win too, hands down. 
because that's the overwhelming response I'm hearing from people, um, and 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 they love the catchphrase. Um, and then two, the fact that there was only seventy four votes. What kind of cheese dick fucking <laughs> network do you have, Mister Ethan? The, like, the, come on, seventy four votes? You couldn't drive more than seventy four votes? That's pathetic. It got it, absolutely pathetic. It got like three thousand feed views, but only seventy four people actually vote. It was such an easy thing. See, I okay, now I'm just teasing you, Ethan, because I, I actually spoke to you about we have actually almost exactly the same number of followers, like overall. So you and I have the same pathetic network, yeah. right? But um I just don't really understand uh LinkedIn as an algorithm. And I would love for someone to explain it to me in terms of how this stuff is served up. Yeah, because three thousand views and it's literally a click. So it must be a lot of people that don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. And I, yeah. I will say this that your your language on this this thing was a little bit complicated right right i don't think i even really understood what you were saying but it was anyway, a little crypto native know how it works what? Anyway. yeah what's that it was a little crypto native my, my yeah language. exactly exactly i think that might have like confused people and i don't even know if anyone knows what Stillfront is right can uh i got a little bit of breaking news here we we want to report Ooh. some breaking news uh sure. who mom shakini shaknini uh just announced he's leaving king is resigning as president of King, um, and handing over the reins to Tjoldolf Somastad, uh, who has been at King for 10 years. It was pre- previously the chief development officer. I think quite interesting. So um, I think uh, uh, Humam was kind of widely seen as, uh, he, he sort of took over when um, uh, Roberto, was it Roberto Zaccone? He kind of like had, had handed over duties a while back, and he led their big ad uh, advertising initiative internally so he was seen as like a pretty big figure within activision but anyway uh just saw that uh figured it was worth reporting now cool all right uh, on to my uh two real crypto stories um first from venture beat jam city will auction its first champions ascension characters so jam city's been making a big push into crypto gaming with champions ascension uh the game is being built by a team of over 50 and on discord they have 114,000 members on their server and I just want to talk about the pre-sale a little bit. Uh, it's starting tomorrow. And the headline that it's going to be an auction is a little misleading. So the way the sale is structured is they've been in their Discord generating a whitelist of people who are allowed into the sale for some number of weeks. So like I won a whitelist spot uh, by writing a lore competition. Uh, I wrote the house motto for the House of Flame and it got the most votes or the team chose it. So like if you go into their discord and you do the command um, exclamation mark flame, you'll see my motto, but that's how I got my spot. But they've been, you know, they had 10 K 10,000 spots to give out. So they've been giving out a lot. So tomorrow there's a sale for 0.3 ETH. That's about $800 for these prime eternals. And then if they don't sell out, then they move on to phase two on Friday, the public auction for people who aren't on the whitelist where it looked like they're starting the auction for unsold inventory at one ETH, which is about $2,700 at the time of writing. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see how the presale goes and if they've given away those whitelist spots to people who are actually uh, intending to purchase or not. Like has their, their Discord's been a lot of giveaways, a lot of like, come, you know, like this tweet and join our Discord for a, raffle for 0.5 ETH, like just straight up giveaways, um, lore competitions and and some other stuff. And and I'll be really interested. And I think anybody building a crypto game 
should be following this and and, and uh, you know I wish them all the success it'll be interesting to see if they sell out tomorrow or not uh, but I'm gonna hopefully get my prime eternal champion tomorrow all right I have two questions yeah First question, is this the dorkiest thing you've ever heard of? What the <laughs> fuck? You're writing lore for characters that don't exist? I, I wrote lore for a, a house motto for one of the factions in the game. So I oh expect God. it's just kind of a gotcha game. And Dude, you're like, okay, this is like, I mean. I'm as d and I'm like an RPG unbelievably designer. unbelievably dorky. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, fine. Okay, so the second thing is, what the fuck are you buying? Exactly. Are you an, buying characters for the game? An an NFT for the top rarity cha- heroes that'll ever be in the game is what it seems. That you like. can actually play in the game and have an advantage. Um. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Stop, Ethan. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Why didn't you start with this? Like, what the fuck are you buying? Right. You're you buying just went into this. <laughs> yeah. You're buying a Tell hero. Me what you're buying? You're buying a hero that gives you access to the game. And if I understood it correctly, the way that Gotcha has like tiers of rarity in, in your standard Gotcha game, this is the top rarity level of character, and I'm not sure if they'll ever print more after this initial sale of ten thousand. So in essence, you don't know what the fuck you're buying, really. Right? No, I, it's all like this <laughs> is so funny. Okay. Right, I know I I'm it, buying a hero. A you're buying a hero for this game. Do you play this game? It's not live yet. Okay. This will probably what, give me early is, access to it. What is this game though? Is it is it a mobile game or is it a console PC game? Um, I think it's cross platform. Uh, it you know there's a cinematic trailer. It's a hero battler. I I expect it to be a game in the style of uh, AFK Arena. Oh my god! Chromatic See, this is this is what I'm talking about. Even Ethan, who's an expert in this shit, <laughs> is just basically get participating in this for the auction. Not participating for any type of gameplay. You don't even know what the fucking game is, and you're buying this shit. Yeah, but that's that's not. No one, grand. no one cares, man. That's gonna be. I know, mean, no one it, cares. If, and so, if I were doing this for research, I would probably not be spending eight hundred actual no, dollars on this. That's the thing. The fact you're doing it for research. I hope you're. Ex- you don't know what the game is, and you don't even put this. You know what I mean? It's crazy. This crazy. I hope you're expe- crazy. I hope you're expensing these purchases, and you're not spending your your post tax dollars. Hey, did you did you did you did everyone see that uh, Melania Trump issued an NFT collection, and she was she she was like the highest bidder or whatever. Like she bought the highest price. Yeah, it went back to her own <laughs> that's, account. That's, oh, no. This wash trading. This wash trading is is like eighty percent of these transactions. Anyway, that's okay. I, I do. I, I do want to hear this next story because okay. I, I want you to explain it to me so that I understand it, Mister Ethan. All right, as as teased last week, I'll, I'll close it out with what I think was a very funny story. Um, so the headline was: IMX token tumbles as GameStop appears to dump forty-two million dollars from the Immutable X grant. So there's a um, company, Immutable X. They're making a layer two blockchain gaming platform and solution uh similar to polygon or um can can you yeah, use sure. english what, um, what's layer two <laughs> it's okay so immutable x is building a series of services on top of ethereum that allow games to run on on their platform more efficiently and cheaply and consume less energy than running directly on ethereum um so right. doing Ethereum is layer one. This is layer two. It's like a set of services that live on top of Ethereum. Um, and, and I can go into more detail, but I don't No, don't. Yeah. Please don't. Just continue. So they have, they have a platform 
Immutable X. They have several games on the platform and several upcoming games. So, you know, Gods Unchained is, is one of the kind of crypto OGs. Uh, Guild of Guardians has been very successful in the presale. They have a token, IMX. They did a deal with GameStop where they gave them $100 million worth of the IMX token across five installments with no vesting period. So they did the deal. GameStop's going to build an NFT marketplace on the immutable network. And to compensate them for this deal, they just handed them um, $100 million worth of their token spread out over five payments. And uh, when they announced the news that the price of the IMX token went from about $275 up to $4, GameStop had received two-fifths of the grant and at the four dollar price they immediately started selling and so it (laughs) looks like they immediately dumped about 42 million dollars worth of token helping send the price back down to 2.4 and giving gamestop a giant uh windfall of fiat currency for not having done anything so far um Unfucking believable, dude. And now the st- the thing is that a buck sixty, right? Right. So, and that's that's probably more due to just the general market direction than anything involving this news. And it just leads you to wonder, like, was this a poorly structured deal, or was this intentional? Did they know? Did they basically want to give GameStop money but not give them fiat currency? Like, did they say, well, we won't give you 40 million U.S. dollars. We'll give you $100 million worth of our token with no vesting and, and do well, what, what you though? want. Just to be just to be part of this. Press no, well, no, they're going to GameStop is going to build an NFT marketplace on yeah. Immutable that uses the oh. IMX token as as its currency, I believe. Got it. Got it. And so they're basically this is their compensation. Yeah. And so maybe they knew they were going to get this sold. Shit's all so fucking shady, dude. You know. <laughs> I just, I just, it doesn't seem like a big vote of confidence because if it, in, I mean, maybe they needed the money to build the service. That's one possibility. They just needed the the fiat currency to build their service. Another is they did the deal and have no confidence that GameStop's NFT marketplace will bring value to Immutable, and they just dumped it right away to make sure they have a profit. Or you know, it's it's two fifths of their grant. So maybe they're just hedging their bets and hopefully maybe they'll hold the next 60. Who, who knows? Just, uh, yeah. yeah, this was one of the more interesting stories that I've seen in the past couple weeks. Yeah. They may need the cash. Who knows? Crazy. All right. Well, thank you for humoring anyway, that, me. That's a, that's a good one, dude. Yeah. That, I like that one. Um, nutty. All right. Um, good work, Mr. Ethan. I think that's it. All right. Crypto, crypto that's corner. It in terms of our news. The crypto of corner podcast. over. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, and basically, come to come to the turkey event. It's going to be fun. Boondoggle. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Send us feedback next week. Bye, guys.